Hello there. This is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. The title of our exhortation is Perpetual Praise Unlocked, Part 1. Perpetual Praise Unlocked. Our key scripture is taken from Psalm 34, from verses 1 to 2. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. He said, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear and be glad. We told ourselves there are five key words that we can put out of that scripture. And those five key words are sort of a guide as we go through this year. We said the first word is praise. The second one, perpetual. The third one, profess. The fourth one, person. And the fifth one, preeminence. Now we said these five key words will guide us as we study, will guide us as we pray. And um, it will lead us into perpetual prayer in the name of Jesus. Now today, I want us to begin to unlock that word. What does it mean? Perpetual praise. What do you think God has in mind? Now, for us to understand fully what that word means, we have to look at the context of the passage, where it came from. Because this was taken from Psalm 34, 1 to 2. But Psalm 34, 1 to 2 actually has its root in 1 Samuel, chapter 21 to chapter 22. The Bible tells us that that was a time that David was running away from the presence of King Saul, who was out to kill him because he knew God had chosen David to be king after him. It was a difficult time in the life of David. David had no place to hide. It was a case of the devil and the deep blue sea. He just felt, well, if I go this way, Saul will get me. If I go that way, Saul will get me. So he just fled to the next available place that happened to be Gath. Now, Gath actually was the birthplace of Goliath. Goliath and David seemed to have history. Goliath had been killed by David in a combat. Goliath was the champion of the Philistines. And if you were to translate that into today's world, It means the story was all over the place. The social media was full of the news. And if you travel to Philistine, they had the face of David on all posters. This man wanted dead or alive because he killed the giant. So it was a bad idea for David to run, of all places, to run to Gath. But David thought, well, nobody would know it's me. Since I'm not dressed like a warrior, So he found himself in the presence of the king. That king is called King Akish. He felt, well, I could just blend with one of the guys. Immediately the king saw David. The king said, is this not the one that they sang songs about? That Saul had killed his thousand and David is ten thousand. And I could imagine the king said, God, get him. And as they ran out to get him. David immediately turned mad. He was not mad. He faked it. 
He turned to a madman. And the Bible said he was scratching the doors of the king's palace. And saliva was drawing off. Ah. Now, the king could not understand. If you will kill a champion, you must be really good. You can't be a mad guy. The moment they knew he had become mad, the king felt, we can't kill a madman. That would be wrong. That was what I believe. That's when I believe that David actually became the founder of a criminal law argument, which means in the diminished responsibility case, the person is not guilty of the crime. So because he became mad, they told this guy, kick him out. They kicked him out of the place. Whether what David did was right or wrong, history tells us that he lived to tell his own story. And I'm saying to somebody here today that God will grant you a way of escape. In the name of Jesus. Because at that point, they would have killed David. All the prophecies in the life of David would have been over. And David had nothing else to do. He found himself in a cave. A man who is supposed to occupy the palace now became the king in the cave. So he went to the cave. And all of a sudden, he was hearing footsteps. People were coming to join his company. One by one. Altogether, 400 men came to him. Now, if they had come with goods and supplies, it would have been nice. But these were people who were distressed. These were people who were in debt. These were people who were discouraged. The Bible said they came to David, a man who just acted madness the other day. If you were David, seeing them coming, you'd be happy they are bringing some stuff. But here is the point, the wisdom in that. That you must never allow your current circumstance or your past history to limit you of what God can do in your future. Because men may reject you. Men may walk away from you. But God will gather his men. And look, listen to this. The Bible said today they look discouraged. Today they look distressed. But they will one day reign in the king. They will reign with the king. They will reign in the palace. If you don't give up, there is hope in your end. And your end shall be greater than your beginning. In the name of Jesus. This was the beginning of this story. The Bible said, David, he wrote this psalm. Psalm 34. In that cave. Now, how did he write this psalm? He looked around and he looked at everybody. I mean, there was no sign of hope. There was no sign of victory. And when you look around, there was nothing to eat. Their sacks were all empty. Their pitchers were half full. But David did the unthinkable. He got up. And he said, you know what? I am making up my mind. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. What do you think David was saying? He was speaking to the people who are confused, who are discouraged. And he was offering them hope. My dear friends, I want you to understand that you need people who will offer you hope when it seems hopeless. You need a kind of environment where men will not press what's already obvious to you and they will show you the mind of God when it seems so dark. David, he knew something about God. He said, well, what I'm looking around right now does not feel like God, but I know God still is. Do you feel God is? Do you know God is? Even when you can't touch him, when you can't feel him, there is a knowledge of God that you must carry into this year. David said, I'm making up my mind. That was the context 
of this prophetic word, perpetual praise. Somebody needs to know. Your business may be in a place where it's a cave of Adulam right now. But you need to prophesy over your business. You need to speak over your health. You need to speak over your family. You need to speak over your finances. That I will bless the Lord. I can see our eyes that are boring into me in this cave. I can see situation that doesn't look like it in this cave. But I know that my redeemer leave it. That was the beginning of a change in this story. What is it that David knew about God? That is so important that we must learn as we press into this year. Our year of perpetual praise. The Bible tells us in Psalm 50 verse 23. It says, whoever offers praise glorifies me. So you see when we sang the song. That glorify, fill me oh God. That all that the world will see is you. That will be glorified. You see, what will make God to fill you is for you. Just begin to praise him. Even in the midst of your emptiness. And God will fill your empty sack. Oh my goodness. You must learn to lift up what is in your hand. Even when it feels empty. I say, God, fill it, oh God. It's a story of a woman who didn't recognize she carries grace and power. And the prophet came to her. He said, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing. Why? Because, I mean, I know there is an oil in that little can there. I've seen there everywhere. That pot is there. I see it every day. But it, it's not what I need. I need something big. I need a help. I need some kind of money. It's not this kind of one I need. But until you learn not to look at what God has called divine ordinary. She didn't know. That our pot and that oil is divine. And when God's hand is on something, don't put a limit to how far it will go. Don't call what God has set aside common. David looked in that cave. And he knew God was in that cave. And I will bless the name of the Lord at all times. It does not matter what the devil thinks or what he wants. The meaning of the word praise is to honor. I will honor God at all times. And if we look down that line of honor, it is not every praise that is honorable. It's not every praise. I have seen people praised. I have seen people praised to the high heavens. And the same people praising them turn around to castigate them. That's why the Bible says, they said today, Osana, and tomorrow, they say crucify him. You see that? There are people who are called honorable this, honorable that. But they are very dishonorable. Not every praise is honorable. There are people who come to you and say you are the best thing that ever happened to them. But they leave your presence and say a different thing. Not every praise is honorable. There are people who will testify before God. And say, God did this. God did that. But their real heart is disconnected from God. No wonder Jesus Christ said, these people, they draw near to me with their mouth. But their heart is far from me. So you see, if you and I are going to have perpetual praise this year, God wants us to have praise that is honorable. And I pray that will be your story in Jesus' name. Praise that is honorable. God doesn't just want praise. There are people who are great in leading worship. 
that you feel, wow, what an awesome time. But there is nothing honorable about how they conduct their life. There are people who preach the word of God. But God will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. There are people who serve. But God will say, that's not how, what I'm looking for. So what is it that God is looking for? God says something very interesting. As much as praise is important to God, God told us something in Malachi chapter 1. I want you to have a look. Malachi 1 from 6 to 8. It says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence? Say the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defied food on my altar. But you say, in what way have we defied you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. What does that mean? In other words, we can put anything on the table of the Lord. Or put it this way, grace covers me anyhow I behave. Or put it this way, it's my life. I can live it. That's what he's saying in this passage. He said, you have dishonored me. I can do it anyhow I want to do it. He said, when you offer the blind, watch this, as a sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Offer it to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Will he accept you favorably, say the Lord of hosts? What does it mean to offer the blind and the lame? In other words, what is not acceptable? What is not the best of offering? And it's not just about money. Something which is not going to carry you the length of it. A kind of service God is not impressed with. A worship that God is not happy with. So this year, as we talk about perpetual praise, God is saying to us, there are some kind of praises I don't want you to offer to me. And I pray that in Jesus' name, our praises will be acceptable before God. There are five things God showed me about praise. Honorable praise must be characterized with five important components. Five elements of honorable praise. Now, note that word. I said honorable praise. If you want your praise to be honorable this year, have these five things as a checklist. Number one, honorable praise must be deliberate. Somebody say deliberate. deliberate. To be deliberate means it must be intentional. Honorable praise must be intentional. You must engage intentionally. What you are offering as praise must not catch you as a mistake. It must not be, well, you know, it's just, I didn't even know I was praising. When you don't know it's a deliberate praise, it is not praise. Your will must be involved. It is a decision for you to praise. That's why David said, I will bless the Lord. It's not going to be a thing that, oh, I, I, I don't know whether I want to bless the Lord or not. I will bless the Lord. My emotions, my desire, my decision is made up. Being deliberate means my head must be involved. Regardless of what my heart is saying. 
your head must be involved. Regardless of what your heart is saying. Many times, our heart says all kinds of things. Our heart brings all kinds of emotions. All kinds of feelings. Our heart says to us, I don't feel like it. You know, I don't like her. And because I don't like her, she's the one leading worship. Mm. I won't even sing. Oh, it's the one leading prayer. I won't pray. Why? Because I don't feel like it. Honorable worship must be worship that your head is over your heart. My friends, regardless of what your heart is saying, your head knows best. And I'm coming to show you what the head is about. To help you deal with the issues of life, God gave you the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. To help you deal with matters of life, God made sure that you have a renewed mind, not the old one. So you see, friends, how you feel has nothing to do with what you know. How I feel like I'm recovering from flu, but that has nothing to do with the fact that I know that he is my healer. Do you understand now? It has nothing to do with the fact that I am healed in Jesus' name. What you are feeling is different from the fact of the word of God or from the truth of his word. Real decisions, friends, that will move your life forward. They are not coming from your emotions. They are coming from your head. Because when your emotion is out of the place, your eyes will be clear. God didn't design you to be ruled by your emotions. And God never promised you, my dear friends, that your feelings will line up with the facts. He never promised that. He didn't say that you will bless the Lord when you feel like blessing the Lord, when you are happy. In the cave of Adullam, in the palace, bless the Lord at all times. Whether you are free or you feel you are bondage, bless the Lord at all. You see, this is what he's trying to show you. Why? Because once you cut off the head, the body is useless. Everything rises or falls on the headship. So you see, you can't have a praise without being deliberate. Say after me, Father, Father this, year, this year, I will deliberately praise you every day of my life. In Jesus' name. Job 13 verse 15 says, said, though he slay me, watch that, yet will I trust him. A person being slayed is not enjoying it. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 23 verse 4, he said, though I walk through the valleys of shadows of death, no one likes it. The valleys of shadows of death is not the place you want to walk in. He said, even though I walk in it, I will fear no evil. He's not saying that there is no evil there. I'm making up my mind not to fear evil. Why? Because my trust is in you. Genesis 14 verse 22. I love that scripture. Because it shows us how a person can deliberately praise God. Honor God. Abraham was coming from battle. He had gone to fight. To save his brother. And it was a fight for the king of Sodom. And a few other kings. And the king met him. The king said, you know what? Give me the goods. And then you know you can have some of this one. And 
Abraham said, listen, I have raised my hand to the God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap so that nobody will say, I made Abraham rich. You see that? He deliberately said, I'm not going to take from you. Why? Because I am looking up to God only. This year is a year of taking a deliberate decision. Your friends may say, your mother may say, anybody else may say, but you have to deliberately say, God is God. Number two, honorable praise must have depth, not a praise that is shallow. If your praise is shallow, anything can blow it off. If your praise is shallow, it cannot stand test. Psalm 119 verse 10. It says, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Psalm 9 verse 1. It says, I will praise you, oh Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. So you see, when your praise is not deep, it is not the honorable praise. It's not honorable. I have nothing else to do than praise him. I'll give you praise daily. I don't care what you think, what you say. That was what happened to David. He was praising God and he stripped off his chest and he was dancing. The Bible said naked and his wife felt, oh, how inglorious. The king of Israel has made himself today before the maidens. Many people don't understand what happened in that passage. Her concern was not just for the king was dancing. Her concern was because there were maidens there. Because the maidens are looking at her guy. And she was worried. Knowing the antecedents of this man. So her concern was not God or anything else. It was herself. You can't be bothered about who is looking at you when you want to praise your God. You praise him anyhow. You roll if you have to roll. You shout if you have to shout. Let there be death to your praise. Praise him. It is him you are praising. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, we don't have time to read it. It was a time that the king wanted to make a sacrifice before God. And Aruma, the owner of the land, saw the king coming in. said, my lord, what is it my king wants? He said, you want to make sacrifice? He said, I'll give it to you free. You can have it. The king said, no. The king said to Aruna, he said, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. My question is, what is the price of your praise? How heavy is it? What is the weight of your praise? What did it cost you? He said, no, will I offer burnt offering to the Lord that would cost me nothing? So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. He bought it. Even though it was offered to him, everything he would need for the burnt offering was offered free. He said, no, let me buy it. My point to you is, what is the density of your own praise? Your faith will be placed on a scale. Ha, what will it weigh? Number four. Your praise must have direction. Anybody might tell me, but that is clear. Everybody knows that praise is directed to God. But that's not true. That is not so true. Because why many people actually assume that they direct their praise to God? In the real sense, 
They directly praise to themselves. The praise is directed at them. I know what I did to achieve the level which I'm in. If they are not praising themselves, they praise someone else. You know, they praise their wife. I've had all kinds of ways people praise themselves. Amen. So don't put anything else before God. Thou shall have no other God before me. Direct your praise to God. Praise to God. God will use human beings. But find God for their role. That's where it stops. Amen. But God is God. Man is man. Anytime you prioritize anything else, that's the person or the thing you are directing your praise to. Every day you praise God. You serve God every day. God must be in your agenda on daily basis. The Bible said in Psalm 61, verse 8, it says, So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. You see that? Daily perform my vows. Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord God who daily loads us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation. It's a daily thing. You don't get to a point where, well, I've done my bit last week. Listen to me. I know about rotors. For some of us that serve in department that has rotors. But don't fall into the category of people who feel, me, I've done my own bit. If there is a need for you to step into something, do it because you are serving God. Oh, I've done my bit. What's your bit? The whole thing is your bit. There is only rotor to allow more people to serve. And if peradventure somebody is not available and they call you, see it as an honor. If you are dead, will they call you? Some of us, we think we are doing anybody a favor. Really? It's wrong. It is wrong, my friends. You have allocated your worship to God only two hours. Anything else of that, I'm out of here. Really? Carry on. There are ministers here who overlap. Don't say because they are ministers. How did they become ministers? Because they overlap already. You must be a person useful for God to say, you know what? I can count on you. We are the kind of person, you know what? I've done my bit. I'll just sit down. Me, I want to sit down too and hear the word. All the time you'll be hearing the word. What difference has it made? I hear the word. Ladies and gentlemen, these five elements that I mentioned, I don't want us to forget them as we praise God on daily basis. We can't understand praise without understanding it is a sacrifice. Amen? You see everything I've said, it shows you that praise is a sacrifice. There's something called the law of first mention in the Bible. In other words, when you want to understand a principle, go and study when was the first time that principle was mentioned. It is the way by which when it was mentioned, that means that's how God expects the principle to carry on. But due to sin, due to man's method and all kind of things, many things after they were mentioned first, they have become abused. They've gone through phases. And today what we have is not the original intention of many things. 
But to, you, to get it right, go to the original meaning. Let me give you an example. The Garden of Eden. That's the first mention of man's relationship with God. So, the first mention of God and man. It should be a relationship where it was smooth. That God will come in the coolness of the day. So, every other thing you are having after the Garden of Eden was for God to bring us back to that Garden of Eden. God wants to bring us back to that original place where there was no lack, there was no question. So when sin came, all kinds of things now came into it. That's the first one. The first mention of family was Adam and Eve, which means in God's own eye, marriage must be between man and woman. That's the first mention. Now, any other thing that came after that was not in the first mention. So you see man marrying man, woman marrying woman, man marrying their pets, man marrying their goats, all that one came later in today's world. So we can't question that people are doing that. But was that the original intention? No. Because the law first mentioned is the way we are meant to continue. So let's look at praise or sacrifice. The first time sacrifice was mentioned in the Bible, it was the time that Abel and Cain offered God a sacrifice. So let's have a read in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. The Bible says, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Watch that. He brought it to the Lord. Praise is directed at God. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Hmm. In this passage, I'm sure you know the story very well. The Bible tells us that I begin to close. Two brothers brought offering before the Lord. What is interesting, remember the law of first mention. There was no time in the record, that God asked them to bring it. You see now? So my friend, I got news for you. God didn't ask you for your offering. What a day. That was a past, isn't it? He did not ask them. There was no record that God said, bring offering to me. Bring tithes to me. In the first mention. But they brought it. And God didn't say, take it back. In fact, there was no record that their father gave. But it does not mean he didn't give. So here comes the question. Why did they know they should bring an offering? Because when they brought it, God measured it. If it was not something God was expecting, if it was not something that was important to God, God was just taking both. But when they brought it, God actually respected one and he disrespected the other. Let me help you. Just pause. Put a thought there. If your children walk up to you and say, Mom, Dad, and they gave you a gift. You don't tell them to take it back, right? You say, wow, this came from your heart to Daddy, to me. You accept it, isn't it? But that makes you to know the kind of child you have. All right. So they brought their offering to the Lord. I'm going to continue this next week. But why is it that God respected one and he disrespected the other. A number of things to see in this story. Number one, the Bible said they brought of the product of their labor. 
And my prayer for you this year, you will not labor in vain. God will place in your hand that which will produce, that which you will feed, that which you will sow from. In the name of Jesus, the work of your hand will not become empty. Both men had a job to do. God will provide for you. The Bible says, Cain was a farmer and Abel was a rearer of cattle. He was a field man. Some people have argued that it was what they brought before the Lord that made them to have different action. No. I will look into that for you next week. Why? Because God will not penalize you for the work you are doing. Your fruit came out of the work he gave you. If you are in the film industry, that's your job. If you are in driving or transport business, that's your job. You are meant to come out of your fruit of your labor. That's where your fruit comes from. Amen. And out of that, you give to God. But here is the interesting thing. I started by saying that not every praise is honorable. One of these men gave a dishonorable gift or offering to the Lord. You know a gift. A dishonorable sacrifice. And God knows the difference. My prayer for you this year. As you deliberately praise God. As you intentionally prepare yourself to offer a dense offering unto the Lord in your service, in your prayer. In anything that you do, may the Lord have honor upon what you do. May he have respect upon what you do. I pray for you that this year, you will not just labor in vain. I pray that you will not just be carrying on with the old mindset, that a new mindset of light will shine in you and that you will unlock perpetual praise. You will receive the fruit of your prophecies. Every prophecy that's gone ahead, I pray that it will come to pass on you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. If you'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus 44 208-597-3110 or you visit our website on www hccenter.org.uk May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again. God bless you.